2XXFM 98.3. People powered radio in Canberra since 1976. Now in our fifth decade and still going strong with your support. Visit 2XXFM.org.au to listen online and find out how to subscribe, donate, sponsor, or become involved as a volunteer at your community station. Wow, on air since 1976, Marion. That's pretty, Indeed, pretty amazing. Yeah. All right, listeners, welcome to News from the Drug War Front uh, with Jeff and uh, my co-presenter, Marion. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jeffrey, and good morning, listeners. And it's a great day. For, oh, I love summer, spring. It's beautiful. It I smells think, beautiful out yeah, there. So if you're obviously listening on the wireless, pop outside and just have a big snort of that gorgeous blossomy smell and then have a sneeze <laughs> if you yeah. have problems with your sinuses. If you have hay fever or allergies, but I not do quite so good. The oncoming summer, you know, the, I love having seasons. Well, it's a nice Canberra place to live in. It's lovely. It used to have really clear seasons when I first moved yes. here 20 years ago. It's yep. all a bit fuzzy now, isn't well, it? Well, it's gone a bit climate changey, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm afraid yeah. so. All right, welcome listeners to today's edition of News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy and The Connection, which is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations clients. Um, the show uh, obviously uh, promotes the services provided by Karma and The Connection, but we also report on stories relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. And hopefully that uh, leads to us... Um, Engendering some discussion about... It, it, not just hopefully, we definitely want to engender discussion. want you to start talking to each other and to the rest of the world who maybe don't listen to the radio show, don't take much notice of uh, the propaganda that's largely been driven by many of the you know, mainstream, mainstream media. media. Um, and, in fact, there's been a change in uh, mainstream media uh, management over the last week. Yeah. I noticed. So Rupert's um, now yes, he's chairman emeritus or yes, whatever that means. Lockie Murdoch is now the boss of um, Sky News, so you can blame him. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what happens. If, if there is anything, any change, If yeah. there's a change. I think he's the son who most um, closely aligns Well, he's the one that's basically looked after Australia and is... Uh, right. Other son was the News of the World manager from UK, England who yeah. got into big strife over the um, uh, the Phone hacking, hacking of phones. That yeah, was so shocking. there's been problems <clears throat> everywhere, but here, I think has been Lockie's been very quiet, and his wife Sarah, I think, has always been a really good um, charity worker. I just think it's been so unfair that one man can own so much of the mainstream media and influence it, was, it, it politically. Jeff, the thing that really gives me the pips is that this was, I could see this from years ago. When Murdoch went from Australia to the US and became a United States citizen. There was a reason. And yeah. there was, yeah, there was method to his madness. He, you know, they had the UK wrapped up. With the views of the world and what the mirror or whatever it had over there in, in Britain, stuff in, you know, Sky News, yeah. and over here in Australia, you know, that's sort of three major democracies where the media was controlled by effectively one family, one person heading a family of like-minded individuals, and that's a problem. I'd argue it's caused enormous um, 
problems, you know, the anti-climate uh, change strategy. doesn't exist. Strategy, um, the way he only supports, you know, conservative right-wing Massive, uh, incredibly MPs. right-wing. Um, <laughs> you know, just his general worldview is not yeah. one that really cares it, for Well, the, he made the world a lot smaller and more right-wing mm. than I would like to exist in. It was a very disappointing place. Ten years before we had the last election, federal election, Jeffrey, I spent feeling demoralised and hopeless, very depressed I was. And then suddenly, with, as I said, I think I've said a few times on the show, when we had a change of government, I declared a public holiday for myself Sounds that fair. following Monday and just said, now we can go into something that and start to expand and express and, and think hope. about it yeah. and have some hope. Yep. Yep. And talk to our kids and say it's okay to have children now, yeah? <laughs> so that's essentially what we're about. Um, hopefully cover some stories of interest, play some music, and also hopefully get people to think about uh, the whole situation of prohibition and the damage it's done. And that's a key word, hopeful, yeah? Yeah. Plenty of hope now. And so, we've got lots of changes around the world. Um, karma, I'll tell you a little about. Um, we tell you about it every week, but... Um, there are plenty of services provided by Karma and the Connection. Um, the uh, place is located level one fifty four Benjamin Way in Belconnen at the Church's Centre at Shop Seventeen. That's the number of the place. Six two five three three six four three is the landline number, or you can email Karma on in, at info at karma dot org dot au. Um, it has a website. The radio show, obviously. Um, Has a Facebook page. Yep. Yep, yep. There's we plenty of ways to page, access information. And yep. the services provided by Karma are peer-driven services. So they're provided by drug users for drug users. Um, or people who are sympathetic. People have had lived experience. Illicit, have yeah. got lived experience. That's yep. the expression. doesn't yep. mean they're current drug users. It simply means that they know what it's about. And they're not judging you or stigmatising. That's right. So you can make use of Karma's services. They do advocacy. They do treatment. They do health care. They do promotion of well-being. Um, they do artistic programs. Um, there's a current um, service, current program project operating uh, in collaboration with uh, Directions of the uh, for over forties, doing um, screen printing and I was modelling. Part you of went the, to the first, first session uh, out at the Scout Hall on Lake Ginandera That's right. on Thursday, and the trainer Camille was really good. The yep. group was good. Uh, one of the participants made food for everyone. It was just a lovely atmosphere. Yeah, and it's every second it's, Thursday for till and December. That's on fortnightly from yep. now until about December, yep. I think. So and the next one will be Thursday. Thursday week. week. Yep. So we've already had the first session, and the second one, but you can get in touch with. Canon through Karma or with the the project through Karma on six two five three three six four three. If you're interested for over forties, male or female, you don't have to be any particular gender, um, but just uh, to get involved and have some kind of activity, a way of expressing yourself. Art and literature are a great way for drug users, illicit drug users, to actually reconnect with their community or with their peers and have an activity in their life that isn't just drugs. Well, creativity is really 
really special. Yeah, um, and it's and something really that users have been very clever at for many years, Indeed. and it's been acknowledged. But well, often it's separated the drug users and the creativity and not connected to each other, and that's not true. It actually very much relates to it. So the pet van is. Um, the Pat Van is turning up this week. Or? There are two things of interest. Two days: Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday on Oaks Estate, it will not be there this week, and on Friday, um, it won't be at Veterans Park in Canberra okay. City. So, just for this, just for this week, and I think school it's school holidays, holidays yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we have a timetable for that if you're interested. Yep. It's uh, run by directions, but it's for users at. It outreaches out to people where they live, and it's a that's great No judgment's a great uh, service and really useful. Connect directions and karma, cooperate and collaborate on that. Indeed, no, it's excellent. Okay, news from the drug war front reports on news stories relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles that we feature in the program come from other sources, including mainstream media, as we just mentioned. The contents of the broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic healthcare. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. And is prepared to go with you in order to make sure that that advocacy is made, uh, that people are made aware of that. So any services that you have problems with because your drug use is seen as a a disability on your behalf, Karma can go with you or a member of Karma's staff can go with you to advocate on your behalf. It's often a very useful strategy if you're trying to get services out of the government. Yep. Give them a call. Okay, we've had a request. Um, uh, this is for uh, Damien. Shout out to Damien. It's uh, Eminem from the Eminem show, and the song is Sing for the Moment. So, shout out to Damo.
gone Lonely cause the only one know me And everybody just feels like they can relate I guess worlds are a motherfucker They can be great or they can degrade Or even worse they can teach hate It's like these kids hang on every single statement we make Like they worship us Plus all the storeship us platinum Now how the fuck did this metamorphosis happen From standing on corners and porches just rapping To having a fortune no more kissing ass But then these critics crucify you Journalists try to burn you Fans turn on you Attorneys all gonna turn it through To get their hands on every dime you have They want you to lose your mind every time you mad So they can try to make you out to look like a loose cannon Any dispute won't hesitate to produce headguns That's why these prosecutors wanna convict me Strictly just to get me off of these streets quickly But all they kids be listening to me religiously So I'm signing CDs while police fingerprint me They're for the judges calling for these grudges against me If I'm such a fucking menace this shit doesn't make sense B It's all political If my music is literal and I'm a criminal How the fuck can I raise a little girl? I couldn't, I wouldn't be fit to You're full of shit too Guerrero That was a bitch that hit you
right, uh, that was a shout out for Damo, and it was Eminem from the Eminem show and Sing for the Moment. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, Jeffrey, was that uh, next Tuesday's the first Tuesday of the month, so there will be an overdose. Training. That's right, the Loxone training, training at the uh, Early Morning Centre on Indeed. North Point Avenue. Yeah. Um, from 2 pm. Yep. Um, so it's the first Tuesday of every month. Get in touch with Damo, uh, Damo or Dave to find out or book yourself a place um, and find out how to bring somebody back from the edge of an overdose, opioid overdose, and how to use uh, naloxone. And I have my uh, naloxone with me. As I said, I always carry it in my bag, and if I don't carry it, I tell myself on Tuesdays that I always have it. You never know when it comes in handy. Everybody should have it. It's free. There's no reason why you shouldn't be carrying naloxone because... One puff of that can help somebody to not die, to stay alive. And we don't need people overdosing from heroin. We do need people to live and contribute to society. And just because you use opioids doesn't mean you deserve to die. Absolutely not. No, it's one of the proudest um, projects that Karma's developed. Yep. Okay. Uh, the first story is um, sort of sort of funny in a way. Um, yeah, it's ironic. Yeah? yeah, that the ACT police are seeking public help help after a cocaine al- allegedly found in a hidden compartment of a repossessed car. This is from the Canberra Times staff reporter, September the twenty fourth. Despite the legalisation of cannabis in the ACT, drug driving is still a criminal offence. Laws in New South Wales and around the country mean that many who rely on their car for transport and work risk losing their licence. Um, ACT Policing is calling for information from the public regarding a repossessed vehicle which was allegedly found to have $280,000 worth of cocaine concealed inside. And just, this is my statement only, I'd wonder what 280000 worth of cocaine means. Or how big um, it looks like. How big it is, yeah. how much it is. Anyway, the article goes on. On Friday, May the 5th, well, that's a long time ago, um, a grey Toyota RAV4 bearing New South Wales registration ERP90Q was subject to repossession. Police said the vehicle had been found in a public car park near the corner of Archibald Street and Mowat Street in Lynham. That's near where Jude used to live. Following repossession, the vehicle was left in a holding yard for a number of months. On September the 6th, mechanics working on the vehicle allegedly located a hidden compartment in the boot. Police said a shopping bag was located inside the compartment, which contained approximately 800 grams of cocaine. There you go. That's what $280,000 worth of cocaine looks like. And a quantity of boric acid, a known cutting agent. Okay. Police were notified and the vehicle was subsequently examined with two motorised hides allegedly located in the vehicle. These hides were sophisticated and professionally installed, which is indicative of use by organised crime, police said. The street value of the cocaine located is approximately $280,000. A forensic examination of the vehicle has produced several leads and investigations are ongoing. Police would like to speak to anyone with any information about the vehicle that may assist in identifying 
who was used in the vehicle prior to its repossession. So you'll be putting your hand up, Jeffrey. That's mine, well, my well, drugs, well, my car. The only people would know would be the people whose you car would it think w- so, yes. W- wouldn't, wouldn't they? Unless somebody saw it being dropped off on the corner of Archibald and Mowat Street because that's right down the bottom near the hockey centre, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Anyway, information can be provided anonymously, so yes. that's... Um, Comforting. Have we got time for the Victorian story? This was sent to me on last time? Thursday. I think we have, yeah. All right. Okay. So fears for um, uh, 1,800 patients after Victorian methadone provider closes, and this is by Natasha May from theguardian.com, Australia, September 21st. Clinical shut its door on Friday, leaving more. Well, this was after last week. Last I Thursday, yeah. Um, more than tw- 10% of the state's methadone users without treatment. The closure of a Melbourne general practice on Friday will leave more than 10% of Victorian methadone users without treatment in what health experts say is symptomatic of the state's, quote, broken pharmacotherapy system. Pharmacotherapy is recognised by the World Health Organisation as an essential treatment for opioid dependency, replacing the drug of dependence, that's heroin, with a legally prescribed substitute such as methadone or buprenorphine. However, in Victoria, there are only a small number of general practitioners offering prescriptions to 15,000 patients in what is, quote, an increasingly broken system, end quote, according to Scott Drummond, the acting executive officer of the Victorian Alcohol and Drug Association. Frankston Healthcare Medical Centre, a private general practice with 1,800 uh, opioid-dependent patients on its books treats 12% of people in the state receiving pharmacotherapy treatment. However, it will be forced to close down after the funding the Victorian government promised to provide while its full-time GP was on leave fell through, the director of the centre, Nadia Siciliano, said. The full-time doctor on leave is approaching retirement and the practice will not open its doors again when he returns, Siciliano said. There's just too much pressure for him. Siciliano said she believed the closure would push the 500 patients they treat each week towards the emergency departments. Quote, "We've uh, we've all been crying today because they're going to relapse now, Siciliano said. Matthew, a long-term heroin user, told Guardian Australia that without methadone, the experience of withdrawals are indescribably terrible. That's a quote from him. The treatment has stabilised his life and allowed him to regain employment in a way that would have been unimaginable when he was drug dependent, so using street drugs. Ceciliano said, Quote, my nurse is beside herself because she's been treating these patients for years and the fact that we've got patients breaking down here because they don't want us to close, it's heartbreaking for all of us, she said. Yeah, and evidently the patients uh, were protesting against the closure last Friday, she said. Uh, Drummond said, quote, this issue illustrates the fragility of Victoria's pharmacotherapy system. There are significant workforce shortages which in in part, are a symptom of stigma and discrimination towards people who use drugs, mm. which we've said often. Yep. As it stands for many, it is easier to score heroin than it is to engage support through pharmacotherapy. Matthew said the same. Quote, it's easier to score heroin than to find a doctor who prescribes methadone. 
Paul McCartney, an addiction medicine specialist at CoHealth, said the closure of Frankston Healthcare comes just 10 months after another general practice in the CBD with 250 pharmacotherapy patients shut its doors. While New South Wales and Queensland have a hybrid model of people being able to access pharmacotherapy through general practitioners and publicly funded means, in Victoria's GP, in Victoria, GPs are the only providers. However, few general practitioners prescribed uh, pharmacotherapy because of lingering stigma that drug and alcohol disorders were a moral failing rather than a health or medical problem to be managed. That, and that's a, a, a reason, an excuse given yeah, often is, yeah. for not prescribing. Financial compensation was also an issue. I thought this might be a big part mm. of it. Uh, as pharma- pharmacotherapy was not financially rewarding because the patients were often on healthcare cards and needed to be bulk billed. He said many GPs also perceived people with opioid use disorders to have complex needs for which the Medicare system did not reimburse doctors ad- adequately. The Premier, Daniel Andrews, said in a pr- press conference last Thursday that the government was working to try to find alternative uh, service provider for Frankston Healthcare's clients. He emphasised that Frankston Healthcare was a private uh, general practice running a business. Quote, they've made their own decisions and I don't think they were made in the last couple of weeks. The Shadow Minister for Mental Health, Emma Keeley, said she was concerned, uh, quote, that Frankston Hospital is already critically overwhelmed and the closure will mean people taking steps to get their life back on track are at a very high risk of falling back into heroin use. Labor have completely lost their way when it comes to supporting Victorians facing drug and alcohol addiction, she said. Mm. Now, look, I actually tried to um, call Harm Reduction Victoria um, yesterday to yes. see if there was any update, and the office was closed because they've got uh, plumbing problems and um, yeah. uh, must be pretty smelly. Smelly toilet, yeah. Um, but if, if there's updates that we need to uh, pass on, we will next week's show because... It sounds it sounds a bit dramatic, doesn't it? And the closure of two private clinics. I wonder, um, I know in Canberra, for instance, that the big clinics that have recruited a lot of patients have been doing a, running a co-payment system. So they've been bulk billing people and then asking for a $30 co-payment. But now we've got the new system where it's so, just a federal PBS well, prescription. Well, yes, and there was a big... Um, Kickback from big a lot of people. ...demand from the uh, Pharmacy Guild and the... Uh, yeah, so to say that that was going to create closures wherever they were. So... Private enterprise cannot be the only source of pharmacotherapy. It has to be a cooperative, um, cooperatively run system where there are private and public healthcare providers. And you need providers. consumers involved in, in the decision, decision making, making, indeed. And making sure that there aren't disastrous... And something that we have to applaud the ACT government for is for having a, an opioid uh, committee, a committee that consults with users and service providers, um, and the services are provided collaboratively even, and Karma, in fact, uh, yep. provides... Yep, we're on um, the committee. ...buprenorphine, yep. and so the service providers are capable of doing... Uh, of providing pharmacotherapies. It's really important. The really big problem is yep. we need more prescribers. We do. There's really, I don't know exactly, but in the, the low 30s for the whole of the ACT. Well, of alcohol GPs and drug prescribe. has never been a popular career path. That's mm. something to be said and has been that way for many years, mm. ever since I was working in the sector. But um, for, you know, people that, 
uh, claim we need improvements in the ACT, which I would not disagree with. Yep. It's certainly a better system than well and sounds truly like better than the yeah things yep. are there. Minute. All right. We're coming up to the, the 11 o'clock news. Uh, we shall return with uh, some overseas stories. Yep. Um, and some more music. And some more music, yeah. So we shall return. Okay, yep. it's uh, four minutes after 11. You're listening to this week's news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection, with Jeff and Marion in Studio One of 2XXFM 98.3 FM. Okay, we've got a piece. Before we go to some fentanyl stories overseas, um, we thought we'd do this piece from the Sydney Morning Herald, Waiting for a Crisis. Uh, fears as New South Wales enters the music festival season without drug reform, which... Um, this is particularly relevant because, firstly, there was, I noticed there was a story this morning um, from the ABC where they stated that um, New South Wales police, about a, a, a large percentage of New South Wales police have not been trained in stop and search um, what, protocol protocol on how to seize or how to search people, particularly those who are going to festivals where it's been a big issue and we know that there are current um, court court yes, appearances yep. expected uh, because charges are being laid about inappropriate seizures or searches. Well, young girls being searched by male officers. Last year, I yeah. think it was, yeah. had been uh, strip searched. Outrageous. And if the police don't know how to do it or how not to do it, what their guidelines are, what they're not allowed to do as well Where's as the what training? they are allowed yeah. to do, that's really inappropriate and they are really laying, laying themselves open to that kind of charge. Indeed. And I think just as a general statement, a lot of people who were very pleased about the change of government and the election of a Labor government Mm. expected maybe a little bit of... And quite quite reasonably expected some kind of change after Gladys Berejiklian had commissioned reports and then ignored the recommendations from the ICE report, from the the, pill testing report, from the range of issues relating to drug use. Just open up the bottom drawer. Yeah, Yeah. put them straight in. Yep. Anyway. Okay, drug drug reform advocates are very concerned about New South Wales' upcoming festival season, fearing that drug deaths will reach a crisis point before the government implements uh, promised reforms. What does crisis look like, Jeffrey? We've already had at least half a dozen deaths from them anyway. Yeah, Yeah, indeed. Premier Chris Minns has ruled out introducing pill testing ahead of the festival season, which begins next Saturday with the Listen Out Festival in Centennial Park. While New South Wales Police have confirmed drug detection dogs will uh, be used at the festival as part of, quote, a high-visibility police operation. Mm. And there's that um, website or Facebook uh, alert uh, called Sniff Off, that the Greens have organised. Oh, yeah. They take photos of police sniffer dogs, you know, at various places around Sydney to sort of yep. give people a heads up. Pill testing and decriminalisation were amongst the recommendations of the 2019 ICE inquiry, oh, which you, you just mentioned. Yep. Yeah. Along with the coroner's report that same year into the drug-related deaths of six festival goers between December 2017 and January 2019, which also recommended scrapping sniffer dogs at festivals. Mm. Most of the drug policies of the former government uh, remain in place as Chris Minns has pushed back any reforms until after the long-promised drug summit, which aims to replicate the success of former Labor Premier Bob Carr's 1999 summit. That's only 25 we, years ago, Jeffrey. We've got wow. so many reports and yeah. so much information. Do we really need to... How much... <laughs> how much of the same evidence do you need? Yeah, how much informed 
um, you know, content do you require before you change your operational Look, call it procedures? a trial. Call it a trial. Whatever. Yeah, Whatever. Just, just do it. Yeah. Uh, whilst in 2019, Minns originally pledged to hold mm. the summit in his first six months, in the last election, the promise was to hold it within the first term of government. Carr held the 1999 summit within two months of being re-elected. On Saturday, Chris Minns reiterated his position, get this, quote, illicit drugs are illegal. And that has always been the case. And that has always been the case. Very deep. Minns said previous uh, autopsy toxicology reports from people who died at music festivals found that heat and dehydration contributed to deaths at music festivals more than tainted drugs. Not tainted drugs. It's about the availability and what dehydration yeah. often comes from consuming uh, party drugs like pills. Look, yeah? if, if it's 40 degrees and yep. you're taking ecstasy, yes, it, yes, you want to be very, very careful. And, but and the whole point of having a, a, a time-out tent. Chill or a out. Place, yeah, yeah, chill out space for pe- people, young people in particular to go get some water into them, get rehydrated and have a rest um, in the shade, Absolutely. out of the heat, is really fundamental to making sure they're alive at the end of the concert. It's just basic harm reduction. You would have thought so, yeah. 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 Um, okay, he said, uh, quote, we're looking at health messages in relation to the use of illicit drugs at these music festivals, but we are not changing the law of the land. That's been the case of the previous government and the one before that. So what is bound it just, to, yeah. just continue. That doesn't mean that, you know, if you're on a good thing, stick to it. No. If you're on a bad thing, if change it. Poor law. Yeah. Doesn't, yeah. Just because it's law doesn't mean it's Make right. It's great. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, I agree. The Premier has also totally rebuffed calls to decriminalise small quantities of drugs. Mm-hmm. Managing Director of the Australian Festival Association, Gina? Mitch Wilson. Mitch, oh, no, Mitch Wilson. Mitch Wilson right. said the delay in announcing a drug summit was, quote, disappointing. We had hoped the summit would be held this year so that pill testing services, if supported, could be rolled out at festivals for this summer. We know the warm weather being predicted is is cause for concern that the harms from illicit drug use could be higher this summer. President of Harm Reduction Australia and Pill Testing Australia, Gino von Barker, said he was very worried about the upcoming festival season. And he's quoted saying, we had hoped for a change... We would hoped that with the change of government that there would be a rethink on this. Yeah. In February, a 26-year-old man died from a suspected drug overdose after attending Transmission Music Festival in Sydney. While earlier this month, the Victorian coroner called for the introduction of pill testing after a man died from a pill with dangerously high concentrations of MDMA. Harm Reduction Australia has offered to run a free pill testing trial at any festival of the New South Wales government's choosing, but it's been told that no decisions will be made until after the drug summit. So keep on postponing it until it's too late. During the first six months of his operation, Canberra's pill testing facility, what's a drug testing facility actually, found that more than half the drugs tested contained unexpected substances leading to one in ten samples being discarded on site. Bumbaka is also worried that drug sniffer dogs, which a coroner found to have been linked to the deaths of at least three young people who attended music festivals between 2017 and 2019, would cause attendees to panic and consume more drugs than planned, which was something that's mentioned in previous stories that 
people have just swallowed all of their drugs that they had on them because of the presence of sniffer dogs. And they're scared of getting caught at the gate, not being able to get in. It was very intimidating. As revealed in State Parliament, over 4,000 searches have been conducted following a drug detection dog indication in the first six months of the year, compared with 6,500 in the whole of 2022. More than two-thirds of those searches were found found no illicit drugs. Quote, we're putting people through this very humiliating experience and for some a very traumatic experience for those who might have the trauma in their past based on whether the the dog sits down beside you, Von Barker said. He goes on to say the very same practice as the previous government will be rolled out at music festivals over the summer. A huge concern of mine, he said, is that the continued police harassment, which makes drugs taking less safe and does nothing to stop people taking drugs. She said, that's interesting. The government is only going to act on drug reform after a crisis. There was no line item for the summit in Tuesday's budget. Excuse me. Though it may be included in the overall $31 billion health budget. Earlier this week, Min said the government was determined to hold a drug summit, but it had a lot on its plate, (laughs) in brackets, in inverted commas. He goes on to say, we're committed to doing it. When it's time to announce the next stage of the drug summit, I'll announce it, he said. <clears throat> That's a shame. He's just putting it off and putting it off on the basis that the drug summit will tell him what to do. We can tell him what to do based on evidence well, that it, we already have in Canberra through the can test. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. We've had over a year, as listeners uh, will know, where we report every month the yep. current figures of people who've gone to can test and yep. what drugs have been found. Which, by the way, is open Thursday evenings from th- or Thursday from 3pm to 6pm and Fridays from 6pm to 9pm. And anyway, as, go on, as Jeffrey, I've said sorry. many times, has been a very important development because it's incontrovertible evidence. That's of, right. And isn't that not what governments have asked for time and again? Evidence-based service provision. And that's what we're doing, providing the evidence on which services can be based. But it's being ignored. Well, we hear those lines all the time from politicians. Yep. Oh, we're for evidence-based policy. We need policy. the evidence and we need it local. If it's, you know, the research done in the United States for years, they said the United States information was not relevant to Australia. Well, now we have Australian evidence. Yep. Why are we not using it to base services on? No, I think people are rightly disappointed Um I'm certainly disappointed in in, uh, New South Wales Labor. I really expected a bit more from them. I get the impression he's sort of thinking, I'll wait till the next term and hope I've got a bigger... Well, wait until the voice is over. Wait until, you know, wait for everything. When, in fact, what we've got is we've got increasing heat, yeah? Summer's going to be a doozy in terms of um, heat exposure, it's just not going to be right. We're just going to kill more kids. It's rolling the dice with youngsters' lives. Absolutely. And we, how can we afford to do that? How can we go on doing that when we've got evidence that says we don't know what's in these drugs with, unless they're tested? You can't tell, but we know how to test for them. Exactly. The, and if Harm Reduction Australia is offering to provide Free services yes, at festivals. Not even going to cost not, the government anything. It's not going to. It's going to cost them nothing. When in fact, the amount of money they will spend on policing 
Huge. Sniffer dogs and that percentage of police who don't know how to strip search or how to search properly young people, what parameters they've got, how they should be restricted, what are they allowed to do, what are they not allowed to do. It is a talent. I think it's an invasion of basic human rights, really. Wandering around the street. And it is an invasion of responsibility. Yeah, the government's saying we're not responsible for this until we've had a drug summon. And that is a lousy excuse. I I'm think sorry, so. it's a very poor excuse for op- for doing nothing. Well, it's a fair chance you'll have to pull out the speech to somebody's parents. Um, oh, who indeed. Are looking for answers. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. Say to somebody whose mum and dad are mourning their because son or their daughter. son or daughter has died. No, I can't, sorry, I can't do anything until this drug summit. Rubbish. Yeah, I just. Sorry, think it's just rot. It's an abrogation of. Um, Yep. One of the most vital... Um, the right to life, yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter which side of the barrier yes. you're on in terms of right to life, that is a fundamental right to live and breathe. If you're a political leader, I would have thought that should be a very high priority to yeah. keep no, it's just, people it's, safe. It's frightening, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree, and I, I dread what might happen. Um, this, let's I hope look, nobody... I just looked at Penny this morning and just thought that would, just wouldn't be right. No. Yeah. Got the whole life ahead of them. Yeah. And... Yeah, no, it's not good. Okay, we've got a, uh, another request. This is from Dave, who um, does the same with Damo. It's a band I don't know, Chevelle, from uh, Hats Off to the Bull is the album. And the name of the song is um, track Face one. to the Floor, track That's one. Right. Yep.
All right, shout out to Dave on that. That yeah. was uh, Face to the Floor. Good song, we Dave. We don't need to shout out to Dave. The song did it. Boom, bigger one. <laughs> very Dave. Yeah. yeah, very Dave. Okay, so the uh, we're going to go overseas now. Um, it's really important. With Many of the stories from now on will actually relate to uh, fentanyl. Because although there have been... Uh, not none, if any, fentanyl uh, found in the ACT. It certainly hasn't been found in the can testing results. Yeah. But it's it's been a big problem for the whole of the United States and from the border of Canada to and the States as it's well. Cuts way through North Thousands America. Thousands of yeah. people have been dying from an overdose because it is such a potent drug. Anyway, the uh, article is from uh, by Carmen Porn, politico.com from September the 23rd, called It's Everywhere, Fighting the War Against Fentanyl. Key takeaways from Politico's, quote, confronting America's opioid crisis, end quote, live event in Texas. Democratic elected officials are distancing themselves from progressives critical of law enforcement as tens of thousands of Americans continue to die each year from drug overdoses. Uh... Republican or Representative Henry Queller, who uh, represents a Texas border district, Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum and Texas State Senator uh, Royce West of Dallas, joined Politico on Saturday at the Texas Tribune Festival in Austin to talk about the next steps needed to confront America's current opioid crisis. They agreed that stopping drugs at the border and prosecuting dealers is part of the answer, along with treatment and prevention. The backdrop for their alarm is an increasing an increase in fatal drug overdoses during the COVID pandemic that has refused to abate. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that illegal drugs killed 110,000 people last year, most of it driven by illicit fentanyl. Emergent Biosolutions, the maker of the opioid overdose reversal drug Narcon, sponsored the forum. Here are three takeaways from the event moderated by Politico's Megan Messerly. Some Democrats still want to throw the book at dealers. So progressives see a direct line between the war on drugs and mass incarceration and have pushed Democrats to legalise drugs defund police and exercise prosecutorial discretion to alleviate the war's costs, particularly for people of colour. But the three Democrats at Politico's forum said they still see a place for law enforcement. West defended a new Texas law that permits prosecutors to charge fentanyl dealers with murder and increase criminal penalties for the manufacturing or delivery of the drug. Quote, we've got to make certain that persons that deal with this issue understand that there are consequences, West said. Oregon's Rosenblum acknowledged that the fentanyl problem in Portland that's grown worse since state voters legalised possession of small amounts of hard drugs in 2020. Quote, it's everywhere. No one can deny it. If you do, you've just got blinders on, she said, explaining that her office was very strong in the interdiction of drugs on the interdiction of drugs and very strong on prosecution of dealers. Asked about the drug war's legacy, Quella said, quote, you can argue if it's been successful or not successful. Oh, really? 
Uh, we can argue it. And what's the outcome of the argument? One thing I've been wondering... Um, 110,000 people dead. dead. That's a yeah. pretty good answer. Yeah, and yeah. Canada the same, yeah. One of the things I've been um, thinking about uh, with these synthetic opiates like fentanyl and even more powerful ones yeah. is what's the impact that's going to have on farmers who in the past have grown opium as a plant yeah. for, you know, refining into heroin. Are they just going to have to grow potatoes or find some other... Well, it, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Last week we did an article, uh, did something on that because the Taliban had said, yeah, no, no more, more opium no poppies, more opium poppies yeah. to be grown. Yeah, um, right. So they were looking at other avenues for uh, income generation, another income stream. Um, so, yes, what do we do about that? It becomes basically unemployed farmers and... Um, with plenty of property for growing whatever. Yeah. But it's got to be a, um, a financially rewarding. I just get the impression what? that all these um, ever new synthetic drugs and half the time when the uh, can test um, figures come out, I don't recognise a lot of the... the names uh, of them, indeed. Uh, <laughs> names of them, but, um, you know, they're obviously being produced and consumed. 2CB, Bucane yeah. 1-4, yeah, there's a range of things we've not never heard of. Yeah, it's... Um, how's the war on drugs going to deal with that proliferation? I mean, and in, inevitably, Geoffrey, that's something we're always coming up with. There's, as soon as we make a law against one drug, they come up with a new chemical combination that like, makes like it whack-a-mole, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. A new one pops up. Yeah. All right, I'll just uh, conclude this piece. The Republican hardliners uh, blame Mexico. <laughs> Mexican what cartels. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the border district lawmaker said that he too is frustrated with a lack of cooperation from the Mexican government and with Biden, the Biden administration's diplomacy. They could certainly do a lot more. We just need the administration to be a bit firmer with Mexico. I know some Republicans have even suggested a military invasion oh, to indeed, take, take yeah. out Mexican yep. cartel. How would that go Make down? Make themselves even more popular. Uh, chemicals used to manufacture fentanyl from China enter Mexico through two ports on the Pacific coast. Then criminal organisations make it into fentanyl. Catching the drug at the US-Mexico border, where tens of thousands of trucks, cars and trains pass every day, is very difficult because the technology used to find drugs is designed to catch larger illegal drug shipments. That, that's sort of, it goes to my point before. Yes, the, the powerful synthetics are very small and easy to they transport. Do, they don't, yep, they don't need to be huge consignments of drugs, just small amounts. Small of amounts, well that's hidden. Indeed. Fentanyl comes in small quanti quantities. It's so potent that tiny amounts are enough to manufacture many counterfeit pills. Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador has at times extended a hand and at other, other times denied that fentanyl is produced in his country. And he accused U.S. lawmakers of scapegoating and said the U.S. might not have an overdose crisis if Americans hug their children more. <laughs> Interesting concept. They do work with us, Cuellar said of the Mexican government, but the action doesn't match the words. Naloxone and fentanyl test strips can save lives, but resistance to the, to the latter continues or lingers. Mm. The panellists agreed there's a need to make, make naloxone um, available around the country from schools to businesses. Quote, when you... Uh, when you go now to places, fire stations in Laredo, and they have a dispensing place there where you can get Narcan, then you know things have changed. Test strips, which people can use to check if the pills or drugs they plan to use are tainted with fentanyl, can also save lives. But while most states have decriminalised them, some, including Texas, continue to treat them as drug 
paraphernalia. Mm. A bill making the fentanyl test strips legal, supported by the Texas Republican governor, Greg Abbott, uh, just died in the Texas Senate recently because some lawmakers believe legalisation will give people more confidence to to abuse drugs. Um, So the person who introduced the bill to decriminalise fentanyl test strips said there was not yet a consensus in the Texas Senate to to pass it. So that's the the overall... Um, Well, what they've got, the result of those two pages is interdiction is what we're going for. Yeah. From those three people, the three takeaways from the conference. It's three is interdiction, interdiction, interdiction. Learned nothing. Yeah, stand on nothing. the border and between Mexico and the United States and stop every second person and you're fi- bound to find Can you imagine they sent the military across the border oh. to take out Mexican cartels? Well, and- you know, it's a... It's back to the Stone Age in terms oh. of harm reduction. I wouldn't put it it's, past the US yeah. that... Never been, um, you know, averse to intervening. Not, Donald Trump is going to come back and keep building that wall. That wall, yeah. his famous wall, and make yeah, Mexico it's pay for it. A little way into Mexico, I mean, into the border so far, but and the building, I assume, has stopped. Um, so I'm not sure. Border. I haven't heard anything about it, but I'm assuming it's stopped for the moment. But it'll certainly, if Trump gets back in, they will recommence that it's famous wall. <laughs> Interdiction is not the answer. No, it is not only the answer. Changing the laws is really important. And, you know, whatever's happening in Texas, it's only going to lead to more fentanyl-related drug deaths. Um, and if the United States feels that they can afford to lose 110,000 of their um, young people, and it's not just um, Afro-Americans, it's not no, black it's Americans. No, it's the whole society. It's everybody's right across the gamut. And the age spectrum too, Jeffrey. It's not just young people, no. it's old people as well. But it means that they're killing thousands and thousands of their people. Not bad in an island. why? Yep. yep. Okay, I'll play the uh, song you requested uh, now, Marion. It's The Animals and It's My Life. That was the yeah, one? Yeah, okay. that's the one.
classic from the animals. Excellent. Don't yeah. push me. Yeah, it's a great it's good song, on isn't it, Eric? It? Okay, it's coming at about twenty-six minutes to noon. You're listening to news from the drug war front. War front. Drug war front. <laughs> um, from Studio One, Two Double X FM, ninety-eight point three, People Powered Radio. Um, now, rather than just doing, we've got a couple more negative and depressing fentanyl stories. We thought we'd do a, a more positive perspective from Canada. We're going to do the other one first, another negative one, but we didn't want it. But it really is an important case, the murder. Yeah, look, we might um, – I'll put it on, on the uh, – On the website. On, it's rather a big story. So, But it's a really important – it's an indicator of how ridiculous um, the, the, the gov- that governments can address the so-called drug problem when somebody tries to be a good human being, a good citizen, and ends up being charged with murder. Yeah, well, essentially, a friend comes and says, I'm hanging out really bad, can you help me? Yeah. He says, yes, I can get something, he notices his friend's not travelling too well and, um, you know, administers naloxone, takes him to the hospital, sits with him, does all calls an ambulance, does everything right, and now he's been charged with murder. Yeah. I mean, it's, ju- it's, it's just mind wrong. Blown. Absolutely mind-blowing. But it actually leads to the next story, which is instead of just interdiction and in for- law enforcement, and what they're people. doing in Canada is making a difference and can help. Yeah, it's entitled How Prescribing Safe Supplies Helping Drug Users in Canada Turn Their Lives Around by Karen Goodwin, co-editor of The The Ferret, September 22nd. Uh, In this article, uh, Karen Goodwin writes about how Canada's safer supply programs are supporting people and why some people are advocating for similar uh, approaches to be introduced in Scotland. Uh, And it opens up with... um, a, a person starting their day uh, and it says uh, since 2016 uh, when Ben Lee's home province of British Columbia announced a public health emergency 36,000 Canadians have died from toxic drug poisoning safer supply which includes the prescription and medical bra- medical grade heroin or diacetylmorphine and liquid or tablet um, form hydromorphone is a response that aims to save lives while still limited, the number of safer supply programs in Canada's major cities has grown in recent years. One Vancouver-based program, overseen by Dr Christy Sutherland, even prescribes fentanyl. Unlike traditional programs, other drug use is not banned, though most people are trying to stop or reduce it. Most offer counselling services and support with housing, legal issues or referrals to other programs. And that's one of the things that's often missing with reform is you might say, OK, you can carry this much of a drug, uh, decriminalised, but there's no support with housing, a job. There are no, and, and that's, you know, the, the, uh, the other issues related to dependency is often, are often things like housing availability and people being homeless. It has to be holistic approach. Indeed. You cannot just attend to simple... It's not a simple solution. No. There is no one answer. So interdiction is not the answer. You cannot, res- cannot reduce a nation's consumption of drugs by interdiction alone. Exactly. It will not do the job. There's no one-size-fits-all solution to human well, beings with any You issue. can't You can't rehabilitate dead people. Well, that's... It's the bottom line. That's a great... Uh, and true quote, yeah. 
In the UK, this type of approach was once relatively common. Doctors prescribed heroin in the late 1960s, a treatment that was so normalised it was known as the British system. Now in Scotland, uh, this is only available through the Enhanced Drug Treatment Service in Glasgow, which has worked with about 30 of the most complex drug users in the city. That probably remains recalcitrant, but the people have never given up and don't want to give and up. And tried yeah? every other Tried every other type of sort of rehabilitation treatment. But in a new report published on Thursday the 31st of August, marking Overdose Awareness Day, the Home Affairs Committee is demanding change. It made headlines by calling for drug law reforms to allow Glasgow to pilot a drug consumption space where people can inject drugs under supervision. But it also made a raft of other recommendations, including that the UK government provide funding for a diamorphine treatment for people with a, quote, chronic heroin dependency, end quote, where other treatment had not been successful. Uh, Niam Eastwood of drug campaigning organisation Relief said this drug situation is already at a crisis point. She warns that with the recent rise of synthetic opioids in the UK, things could get worse. Quote, this is why the UK and devolved governments must take action and ensure that treatment services are encouraged and supported to respond to the crisis through the supply of substitution medications. In Canada, safer supply programs were born in the midst of the drug crisis. Like many places across the world, the, current, uh, the country experienced a sharp increase in deaths from heroin in about 2010. But a few years later, it was deaths from fentanyl, a human-made opioid that can be 50 times more potent than heroin, that started to increase with dizzying pace. Now the deaths of those fuelled by fentanyl, cut with everything from benzodiazepines to veterinary sedatives xylazine, known as Trank Dope. During 2022, 7,328 people died from opioid overdose across Canada, 2,342 in British, British Columbia alone. The deaths have not slowed. In the first seven months of this year, 1,455 British Columbians died as a result of the toxic drug supply. That's almost seven a day in a province not much bigger than Scotland. It's led to calls for a radical change of tack from Conservative politicians and their advocates who claim harm reduction measures are the cause, not the cure, for the escalating deaths. Campaigns run by right-wing lobbying organisations like the Pacific Prosperity Network which also owns social media pages like BC Proud, have demanded Vancouver, quote, say no more free drugs and lambasted so-called leaders who continue to promote the myth of safe supply. They claim the programs are being, quote, abused, end quote, with prescription drugs resold on the streets. But health authorities say that this isn't evidenced and participants and doctors Involved in safer supply programs say this just isn't the reality. In May, Conservative Party uh, of Canada leader Pierre Poilievre failed to gain back, backing for a motion to defund the programs and invest dollars to sa saved into treatment centres. There's always a backlash, isn't there? To, there um, always is. And I would think if they ever evaluated those programs on safe supply 
In fact, I'm pretty sure that they would be evaluating them, Geoffrey, because I don't think they would have got funded if they didn't guarantee evaluation. Oh, no, no doubt. I think they would find that street availability of the prescribed drugs would not be there. Why would I people... don't think they would have been diverted if they were getting the drugs they wanted. Why would you sell them on the street? All your life you've wanted a safe supply and you're just going to sell, sell it, it or give it and, away? And make a mockery of the system that provides it for you. It's that just doesn't sound like reality to me. I'm sorry. No. The piece goes on to focus on the the individual that started the story. Um, her hydromorphone prescription is simply the only thing that's worked and her drug use dates back to her teenage years when illicit substances were just for fun. But she acknowledges it got chaotic really fast. It was kind of problematic use, like binging with cocaine and alcohol. Within months, she was involved in a robbery as a getaway driver. And it goes on, you know, things get worse and worse. Lost a job. Kids went to her mother's, then to foster care. My addiction was so strong that not even the love of my children could make me well. Uh, but by now, her boyfriend was selling her belongings in the streets uh, for drug money. Uh, but then she finally got a break. I was moved into the Budsey, which is like supported accommodation for women with families. It was a new building with lots of services and good staff, a new program. It was kind of like a sense of hope that maybe my life would get a little better. Within months, she was working as a peer worker in an overdose prevention site, and while there met others moving on with their lives with the help of safer supply. Quote, at the time, the heroin had dried up and I was dwindling away doing fentanyl because I had no choice. It's just so surprising that I didn't die. So she went to the doctor and begged. Initially, she was turned away, but the nurse who managed the program intervened. She changed doctors, and after a blip at the start, she simply hasn't looked back. Mm. Isn't that great? At work, she was promoted rapidly and is now in a leadership role. She's had counselling, started rebuilding relationships with her now-grown-up kids and campaigns for housing rights in the downtown east side. Though she'll always consider herself part of the East Vancouver community, since moving earlier this year, she feels at peace. And almost everywhere she goes, she's accompanied by rescue dog Sadie, with whom she feels happiest. Quote, this is the first time I've been so stable in many years, she said. If I had diabetes, I'd take insulin. This medication allows me to live and work and do all the things I want to do. Now she believes she was always self-medicating. She's going through a diagnosis for attention deficit disorder, ADD, and is interested in the connection between drug use and mental health. Quote, the problem here is not safe supply, she said. That's the scapegoat. The real issue is that people aren't listening to those with experience to find the solutions. Yeah, good point. Indeed. In Toronto, nurse practitioner Mish Waraksa agrees that's where the focus should be. She's the clinical lead for Parkdale Queen West Community Health Centre's Safer Opioid Supply Program, which prescribes hydromorphone tablets, brand name Dilaudid, to about 140 people who can choose whether to take them orally or snort or inject. Most people are also taking a traditional opioid replacement as well, like methadone which is longer acting. I assume that's why they're taking it, Jeffrey. Get counselling and other support. It means they no longer have to spend their days finding ways of buying drugs or engage in risky behaviours from sex work to shoplifting, says Waraksa. We see people's lives improve tremendously. The majority of people that we see are people who've tried methadone or suboxone and other treatment forms for years and years, and now they're here. Something's working for them. 
But programs like this are still few and far between and hugely oversubscribed. When it opened for new participants in February, it received 56 eligible applications for just 15 places. Yeah, look, sadly, uh, the future of safer supply programs is far from secure. Mm. The ferret herd reports of people's prescriptions being discontinued and of doctors and staff concerned about the threat of a conservative backlash to the future of these programs. But in Scotland, some advocates believe it's an approach that we should learn from. Quote, we have retreated so far from the notion of safe supply, said Kirsten Horsburgh, chief executive of the Scottish Drug Drug Forum. Medical-grade heroin, benzodiazepines and even stimulants could all be prescribed to stop people relying on dangerous street version versions, she said. Mm. It would be possible to provide a safe supply to replace the street drugs that are killing people. Progress towards this is so slow that almost nothing happens from one year to the next. It's not unusual to have doctors who would be relied upon to lead this talking about how it would take someone who was very brave to even start this work. Mm. But it's not brave to follow evidence and common sense, she says. It's reckless not to. And dangerous. What a great way of summarising Indeed, that's a great, that's a really great piece, actually, really interesting. And to track somebody who goes into peer education and maintenance and connecting. And contributes to society and has a life that... Just shows that people with, who use drugs, the illicit drugs, doesn't make them... um, Stupid yep. doesn't make them Hopeless inept. Losers, doesn't yep. make yeah. It just simply disconnect them from their straight community, if you like, and and stops them from wanting to open up and say, "Look, I'm here. I know what's going on. I can help. I can be involved yeah. in managing people's helping people to manage their lives. If only we can have the drugs we need, then we can figure out why on earth we need them in the first place." Well said. I thought in keeping with that uh, positive story, I'd play uh, Time for a Change by Split Ends. What a good idea. Yeah, it's Mm. it's it's a good piece.
Right, that was Split Ends and Time for a Change. I must admit, I actually preferred the debut album's version of that. Yeah. The second album was called Second Thoughts, and they sort of re-recorded a number of the songs from the first and, album. And rethought it too, re-thought I think. It, it doesn't sound very similar, does it, to the first one? I just thought the, the original version was a lot more powerful and emotional. I yeah. remember when I first heard Mental Notes, I thought, whoa, for a, well, they're actually a New Zealand band, really, but what a great album, yeah. Mental Notes, and Stands up really well, but it um, sure does. It was really well produced, really beautifully done, and the artwork was done by one of the band members. Yeah, um, yeah. So incredibly creative. And if you just look at the cover of that CD, Jeffrey, you just look at what how they used to dress when they first and the presented themselves. And, the yeah. you know cone shaped heads, hair. Sorry, it was uh, remarkable, really. But yeah, very creative band. You also saw them play cool. live a couple of times, and they were. Really, Did you? Really yeah. impressive, yeah. Really good stuff. Anyway, you're in, in, we're into the last uh, six, seven, seven minutes, minutes yeah. or so. This week's show, I, I guess. I might just say a couple of things like the uh, CanTest, the drug testing facility, did 102 samples tested between the 21st of July and the 20th of August. So that's the most recent report we have from them. The uh, What was originally designed as a pill testing or envisioned as a pill testing facility is actually a drug testing facility you can only exhort people to bring your if you're concerned about what's in them if you just want to know and really with street drugs who knows what's in them until you get them tested now you can the uh, drug testing facility is at one more street canberra city at the city community health center mm-hmm. The uh, can test is open from Thursday 3pm to 6pm and Friday 6pm to 9pm. Um, we're asking to get it made available more, more, more available, nice, but yeah. it will happen when it happens. What yeah. it's doing is providing information that upon which decisions can be made if people will only listen. Well, it's it's incontrovertible evidence because the equipment it, well, it is, is so accurate. It um, is. Um, and this this time they had six samples of heroin, was expected in six samples, and it was detected in five. So one out of the six didn't have any heroin in it available. The purities ranged from twenty percent to seventy percent, and two samples were all found to contain something called six mam. But that's a um, what did Jack Nit- say was a hydromorphone nitri- or nitrazine? A, is a morphine? Um, it's a heroin. What was the word he Nitrazine, used? I think it's called. No, no, it was a heroin um, 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 byproduct. So after it's been through the system, it's a byproduct of, of um, heroin. Never mind, Jack will send it to me and it'll get here. Because he read it out to us just before we came on air and I've totally forgotten it. Anyway, the point is that we're getting more cocaine than heroin samples, which probably has more to do with how it's used. Bit of a surprise. Just an interesting concept. To Look, it's, please get it. Get it's a magnificent breakthrough um, service and yeah. very important. And, and it's good to know that people who are finding that they don't have the drugs that they're expecting are in the main disposing of them well, at the facility. If they're told it's toxic and it's going to do them harm, yeah. And we don't want people to die just because they're buying party drugs. And without drug testing, people don't know. They have no idea. So it's a really great facility. It's a really good service. You're not judged. 
you're not reported on, you are not arrested, you are not even involved with the police in any way, shape or form. A peer uh, educator or worker is available for you to connect with if you want to and refer you to any facilities you want if you want, not just as a matter of course. And the information's accurate. Yep. Okay, that takes us out for another show. Hope uh, you found uh, some interesting uh, discussion. Don't forget that the naloxone opioid overdose reversal workshop is on Tuesday, the first uh, first Tuesday of October next week. Yep. Uh, from 2 o'clock, 6253-3643. Get in touch with Dave or Damo. Indeed. We'll leave you with the same song, uh, The Stranglers and Golden, Golden Brown. Brown. Bye-bye. Good luck. Take care. We love you. Back next week. Bye for now. Bye, Jeff. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress Through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a